This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Andrea Graves to you. She is a multi-talented woman. She's a scientist. She's a writer. You might have seen her work in The Listener. She writes particularly around science and business, health and the environment. And Andrea is one of these people who's got a knack of making complex material easy to understand. Uh, and uh, she's also an environmental activist, I think, a- advocate maybe, but uh, activist as well with a lot of work done with the Rivoli Environment Society. So she protects bats and she's protected us from bitumen. So Andrea is just an all-round good egg. And uh, so speaking of which, Andrea, um, you've just produced your, released your first book, which um, all about keeping chickens. So no, my, hi to my welcome to the free breakfast. Uh, kia ora, Kate. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, look, it's a great pleasure to have you. And um, I wanted to do that little intro because you've done a lot of things in the last little while. I mean, I think you were one of the founding members of the Rivoli Environment Society. And so was. galvanised by, you know, um, um, uh, you know, some activity that was going to cause an impact to our environment. And But your focus for the last little while has been on chickens, but it's been a life of sort of interest in chickens and I wanted you to talk to us a little bit about how you got started so the book's just been released and we'll talk about that in a minute but how did you get interested in chickens what led you to that well it wasn't in fact a whole a whole life of chickens um <laughs> it was I didn't grow up with them um I wasn't familiar with them at all but I was studying animal behavior at university and I ended up doing my PhD with a woman who was um, who did experiments on, on chickens uh, from an animal welfare point of view and so I ended up working with them for three years mostly in a kind of lab setting although it wasn't as nasty as lab sounds it was just <laughs> a large room I guess with, with some pens of chickens and also ended up um, on some commercial chicken farms um, a few times and so then we just kind of I was forced to spend quite a lot of time with these birds, not against my will at all, and just became really interested in them at that point. Um, first PhD, uh, ended up eventually with um, a house and a family and a tiny bit of pocket-sized land in town. I thought, I really, really want to get some. Um, and like everyone else, it's start completely from scratch in terms of building a coop and where we were going to put them and how many should we get and what kind. And realised I had a little bit of background from my, from my um, PhD on exactly what chickens wanted. So I put that stuff into practice and have been doing so ever since. Also refining it um, to make it as practical as possible for Kiwi Backyards. So you talk about having a, you know, just an average size, you know, suburban section. And and so I guess how much space? What do chickens need? You know, and to, and and how are you? How have you been sort of testing that? And and what are some of the discoveries that you've made about how you can keep your chickens happy in a you know in, in just an average size section? Well, um, I had known that uh, there were a few things, kind of deep urges within chickens that domestication has not removed from them and because these birds descended from jungle fowl 
in Southeast Asia, and uh, there's still jungle fell in Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia. They live on the edges of jungles, the edges of clearings, that kind of thing. And that's pretty much everything. Well, you don't take everything that something has in its natural environment as being essential, but that's what the research is about it um, in terms of providing for them what they really need in order to um, give them good welfare. So I, I grab the things that they they have been shown to want, which is a whole lot of kind of leaf literary stuff to search through under underfoot, um, perch, nest box to, to a private little place to lay the eggs, this kind of thing. So yeah, just try and set up a little bit of jungle edge in the backyard, which doesn't have to be anything more than, you know, a feed or a tree and a pittosporum or uh, a flax bush. Um, so a bit of shade, a bit of sun, and I guess one thing I've really learned is that it's, it's quite hard. Chickens are quite, um, they devastate the ground, actually. They can just leave everything like a dust bowl. And then, of course, it's not what they want. They don't just want hard ground that turns to mud in winter. So to, to have at least a small area that you're just chucking stuff in, your weeds, the leaves you sweep up, that kind of thing, with a little bit of edge around it to hold everything together. So that little, the little microbes, the decomposing insects, build up in this stuff and they turn it over and they search for it so it just gives them a huge kind of hobby that's what they do all day they just want to search for stuff that's just what chickens do and if they haven't got that that's bad so this is just this this urge that because i, I read somewhere that they've been around about four thousand years and so this urge to just sort of scratch and forage yeah. <laughs> is still there it's still there i mean they've been with humans um at least that long. I mean, of course, it was kind of a, a gradual taking of them from the jungle and they'd be scratching around the villages to start with and then people would have started fencing them off. But in, in as a species, that they would have been um, around for a lot longer than that. But, um, yes, well, if you think about um, a chicken or a jungle fowl um, finding its food in the jungle, that's how they do it, of course. They, they search through things for little... I mean, they're, they're omnivores, so they'll be looking for... Uh, little spiders and insects and greeblies and um, cockroaches and snails and uh, seeds, things like that. And, and that's how they had to find their food. So, of course, it makes sense that that is an instinct that is not going to be got rid of. You know, you can't, they can just be given um, a feeder full of pellets and it's totally easy for them to get and they'll have a full belly whenever they want it. But that doesn't satisfy the real urge, which is to search for food. So in terms of that animal welfare perspective, having an environment where even if it's a modest space where you're providing vegetable matter, um, what, do, you, do you throw your veggie scraps and it, it sounds pretty sustainable if you can get rid of your, uh, <laughs> get a bit of a compost bin going almost in the, veg, in the chicken pen. Is that how you do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have a few bits of, um, few logs around the edge to hold everything together because otherwise they'll spread everything out. Uh, and it won't do that kind of breeding up of good stuff that, that happens when a pile of vegetation stays together. Yes, I don't really throw many vegetable scraps in there, actually, just because um, of the problem with, with rats and mice. So I, I keep it to leaves and weeds and sweepings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And your chickens, like, what's if, if people sort of maybe think that chickens have to be free-range in order to, to have... Um, an environment that has got high animal welfare values, but but what's your take on that? 
Well, I think that they would like it to be that way, indeed. But um, at the same time, we do have to draw the line somewhere and make it so that um, we can kind of handle having them come around. Because as I know you have experienced, Kate, they do tend to get a little bit bold and poo in places you don't want, like the doormats <laughs> and the deck. And um, so I am a strong believer in a fence to hold them in. Um, and I know... Uh, with chickens, it's easy to put our human ideals on it that more space is better. But in fact, that's not necessarily the case for all animals. Not that I'm into <laughs> them being tightly confined they are, the way they often are in farms, but um, a really enriched small space um, should be absolutely fine for them. A few logs lying around in a, like a fenced run with a few logs that they can kind of um, sit on and they dig holes next to them and every now and then you just roll the log over a bit and you know what gathers under logs. This is totally delectable for chickens. So there are definitely ways like that to enrich a small space. So in the book, and it's been um, published by uh, Potton and Burton and it's just come out, it's called What Your Chickens Want You To Know. It's, it's a beautiful looking book with a gorgeous plump looking chicken on the front um what prompted you to to do that book and 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 has it come i know you've had a couple of initiatives with with a blog and with the facebook page you know uh did it come from that or and and what sort of prompted you to actually pull together all of this research from your phd i guess and then your practice over the last little while as a chicken owner well i guess um when i started out um planning the setup for when we got them, I realised that I had access to quite a lot of knowledge that most people don't in terms of, for example, how chunky should the perch be? Um, you know, should the, the, the perch, for example, should always be higher than the nest box because they will want to sleep in the highest place and you don't want them sleeping in the nest box because then they're pooing in the nest box. You get dirty eggs. Just lots of little things like that. Oh, if I know all this stuff, and it's been really, really helpful for me, um, I'm sure that it would help other people as well. And I actually, it was so long ago, I think it's about 10 years ago, Kate, that I started the book, and I actually can't remember what came first, thinking about the book or doing the blog. <laughs> um, did the blog for a while. It kind of turned more into a Facebook page. I'm afraid I don't blog very often anymore, so that's called Keeping Chickens NZ. And there were so many people following it, even though I was not very studious about um, updating it very often. I mean, I see a lot of chicken keepers out there, a lot of people who really love chickens. And so I kept working on this book every now and then I'd give up and then I'd have some kind of experience of going to someone's place and thinking, oh gosh, I'm sure that you know their chickens would be so much better off with, with the kind of um, information I thought I could offer. So um, yeah, that kind of um, motivated me to keep going and put the book together. And although I have drawn on um, a lot of research, I've tried really hard, and I think I've succeeded in making it incredibly practical for for New Zealanders at home in their backyards. I'd also noticed repeatedly that um, either there was a lot of emphasis in other books about all the sicknesses these chickens could get. I've had very little experience with that, because I think... I've kind of cracked it on how to keep them healthy as much as, you know, anyone feasibly can. The odd thing goes wrong, of course. On emphasis on keeping them healthy. And I also wanted an emphasis on New Zealand because overseas there's a whole lot of different stuff that people need to take into account, like foxes and snakes and um, 
freezing, freezing weather that requires the water to be heated, otherwise they've got nothing to drink, which may happen in the bottom of South Island. I, I can't speak to that. But um, in general, I thought there was a, a whole lot of space for a really Kiwi-focused book. I think it sounds um, like a really, really invitational book for people that are either have chickens already or are thinking of getting them. And as you say, focusing on positive elements, but also too, I guess, you know, maybe some evidence in there that um, setting up your, your chickens this way and thinking about their welfare and the sorts of behaviours potentially has had an impact on them having fewer fewer issues with disease or with illness, which is, I mean, what everybody would want, <laughs> I think. Oh, so, so yeah. what, what are the benefits if somebody's listening and they've just got an average backyard and they're thinking about chickens but you know they think probably it's all too hard or it's really expensive I've read that you say that keeping chickens is easy and fun so so pitch to us why <laughs> why we should get them what are the, what are the advantages that you've found over the last 10 years or so being a being a, um, a an owner of some very much loved chickens well they are they are so delightful and interesting. I mean, it feels like a backyard would be boring without them <laughs> to me now. One of the one of the benefits is, I know I've become so used to it that I wasn't even noticing it anymore. There was a camera cameraman around a couple of weeks ago for um, to film me for. I was on the telly, and um, he just couldn't get over how delightful their noises are. And he just said, oh, my goodness, I just want to smell those noises just so soothing. And, and they are. They are. So it's very good for the soul. Um, I would say that you know, think, the eggs are definitely a bit cheaper. You know, I think you're getting the, you end up with really high welfare eggs for the price of uh, the cheapest cage eggs. And I should point out, even though battery cages are phased out from the end of this year, there, there are um, a colony cage replacing them, which... Uh, has very dubious welfare, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, the, the, you know, the biggest ongoing cost being, of course, the, the food, which is going up in price both for home chicken keepers and for commercial chicken keepers. So the price of eggs is going up, the price of um, chicken meat is going up, and the price of just reflecting the, the cost of the food because it's grain and there's shipping problems and, you know, all this international stuff. So, but I, do, I don't... I don't want people ever to get chickens because they think that it's, you know, they're going to get cheap eggs because you do have to be committed to them. So when you go away, you have to think about who's going to come and collect the eggs and check they haven't run out of water and that kind of thing. It's usually no problem at all because it's usually someone who's keen to collect eggs because it is really fun. Mm. Yeah. So it is magnificent having your own home eggs. I think that's a, that's a great point that there's a lot of um, positives and advantages to just um, having these these live animals kind of part of your life but there is that responsibility of care that of course um, you take really seriously Andrea but, look, uh, uh, I'm sorry if I could just say one thing there it's not like a cat or a dog you know I think it's not that demanding people should not be worried about that but look the book you, you, I know you've been doing quite a bit of media with the book and it's uh, there's some events I think still coming up locally that people can come along if they want to hear more but can you tell us about just um, give us your Facebook page again. Tell us about any events and where we can get the book from. Right, so the Facebook page is called Keeping Chickens NZ. All one word. You don't have to be a person on Facebook. Don't, don't have to be a Facebook member to see it. Just go to Facebook and type that in. Um, 
the events are on Wednesday, 16th, next week, quarter past five, Go Eco and Frankton. It's, it's the official book launch, so I'll be chatting there, happy to take questions. And the following night, uh, Poppy's Bookshop in Central City is having an event from 5 to 30, so I'll be signing books and answering chicken questions at both those places. Um, Potton and Burton is the publisher, so... Um, Obviously, Goeco and Poppies will be stocking the book, but um, the Potton Inversion website also has the book. Um, and as do all the major chains and most of the independent bookshops in New Zealand. So it shouldn't be too hard to get hold oh, of. Fantastic. Look, thanks so much. $30, we should say. Oh, $29.99 is the price. There you go. Well, it's a beautiful book. I've had a little glimpse of it and full of gorgeous photos that are very relatable and just um, um, a hugely encouraging book and incredibly informative. So, hey, thanks so much for joining us this morning, Andrea. Really appreciate your time. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. That's um, Dr. Andrea Graves there with her new book, which is called What Your Chickens Want You to Know. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.